You are listening to the number one Toyota truck and SUV podcast, Toyota Trucks and Trails, with discussions from restorations to racing, interviews with folks from all areas of the Toyota community, product and event reviews, and much more. We are sure to offer something for you, so sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, everybody, welcome to Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast, episode 22. I am your host, Jason Hoffman, and back on the show with me this time, you decide whether he's clunk or thump, uh, your co-host, Rich LaRusso. <laughs> clunk or thump? Isn't it, isn't it click or clack? Well, you'll have to go back and listen to the last episode to get filled it's in. It's clunk or <laughs> get, get filled in on that one, so. Okay. <laughs> Well, How you doing, man? Oh, hanging in there. Just uh, glad to be here and uh, and uh, getting another episode together. Got some uh, some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? Oh boy, um, you know I, it's all a blur. <laughs> it's uh, last last several several weeks have just been on nonstop events or or you know trips or something going on. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, rather than rattle off a whole huge list, uh, I definitely wanted to mention that I, uh, stopped by the, um, Yankee Toys Fall Gathering up in New Hampshire, and, uh, that was a great event. We had a ton of fun, uh, saw a ton of tool, co- uh, Toyotas, and it did not take enough pictures. I do have some pictures, but, um, the most notable, the one that, that just grabbed me and, and I, I can't get over it, is, uh, there was a pristine 25 series there uh land 25 series land cruiser and uh i wouldn't say it was built so much as it was restored uh it was in great shape and he was wheeling it he was taking it on the trails and he was having a good time and and it came back looking just as good as it did when he left so he he knew how to drive it Uh, but you just don't see him and um he's uh he's a connecticut guy uh, and uh, you know, I just you know, you think our state is so small, everybody knows each other, especially if they own a a, a Toyota or or are in the Toyota scene. But didn't know him, met a new guy, and and uh, really really nice. So that that grabbed me. But there was, uh, I would say, the the 40 series Land Cruiser was was the dominant uh, Land Cruiser at the event, and then the 80 series from there. There were some really really nice 80 series there that make you you know. When you see a really well-built 80 series, there's I don't care who you are, it's, it's going to make you doubt everything you own. <laughs> you <Yeah>, know, it, <laughs> it is definitely uh, a, an 80 series is definitely on my wish list. But yeah, yeah, and um, some third-gen forerunners. Um, none, none of the newer-gen forerunners were there, and uh, you know, a couple of sprinkling of FJ cruisers. I think there was three or four FJ cruisers. Um, and I think there was a Lexus thrown in somewhere. Um, and, and the Lexus, I don't want to say what it was because I, it was a Lexus, but I don't know, you know, LXGX. I'm still a little cloudy on the, the Lexus terminology, but it was one of the ones that you can build and wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a bunch of those. <laughs> it was the bigger one. It was uh, resembled. I think it was probably the one that's on the same level as the hundred series uh, Land Cruiser. So, um, but um, you know, great event. Um, probably some of the best food uh, I've ever had at an off-road event. Which I've been at a few 
off-road events and i've i've had some some cold hot dogs in my time as, as i know we all have and and you know the, the staff at these events works real hard and the caterers work real hard and you know sometimes sometimes you, you know you're not getting uh, uh mom's apple pie at some of these events uh but i have to say the food of this event was uh very impressive i i was uh you know, very rarely do I want to go back for seconds at one of these <laughs> at one of these events, and and I'm not meaning to slight anyone's events. I think anyone here who's ever been to an off-road event knows. You know, sometimes it is what it is, right? Um, good stuff, though. Good stuff. Great event. Great club. Great people. Um, definitely check out Yankee Toys. Um, they do have a, a cap on their their events because they can't fit a lot of people. Uh, and they can't fit a lot of vehicles uh, at the places they hold their events. So you know, if if uh, but if you get a chance to come on up to New Hampshire, um, their green trails are like the black trails everywhere else in the country. I saw some some body damage on milder builds. Let's just say if if you're on a three inch, four inch lift in 33s, um, you're going to be working working real hard uh, to get down some of those trails. It sounds like an interesting place, and uh, probably some place that I don't need to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I so our little group of friends that went together. Um, we had the Pinsgauer uh, with us, so uh, he didn't really want to take that down those. Street. You know, those things don't don't really do that well in those big boulders and rock crawling and stuff. So we opted to um, go for some off the grid, off the map kind of uh class six roads and just do some some sightseeing and we ran into some uh some you know technical obstacles but it was you know nothing to write home about uh nothing we couldn't handle but um i have never seen a trail rating system that basically conflicted with every other trail <laughs> rating system in the united states that i've ever seen i mean the 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 easiest trails there um 35s and locked front and rear and have some skills I would I, I that would be right off the top of my head the advice I would pass on to anybody who wants to try out the New Hampshire trails um, like I said that the classics roads that's a different story you're gonna get dirt roads you're gonna get black obstacles here and there but the at the uh, this was held at a, a recreation area called field and forest which is a campground slash 4 by 4 trail system and everything um, you it is very technical very very technical and milder built rigs are going to take a long time to go a short distance um and that's with skilled drivers and, and things like that uh it's all trees and boulders and and you know where there's not trees and boulders there's mud um because it rains a lot and so now you've got wet steep rocks and trees and you can just see how this could just get out of control for some people Sounds like a good time. I I need to uh, need to focus on getting a trip up your way planned. I've I've been up there for work and and that kind of stuff, but never got to do any sightseeing. And uh, I really want to get up there and check check that area out. Well, That's, I tell you, if I take you to this place, we're driving in somebody else's vehicle. <laughs> 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 neither of ours is going on these ne trails. Neither one. Well, no. All right. No. Well, I mean, you know, I think the two of us we could probably you know do a quarter mile of it in a day and a half <laughs> not, not my style of wheeling at all no no at you, you want to see a little more movement than that it's yes. tough yes very tough but yeah 
Well, it uh, it sounds like he had fun anyway, and and uh, found a workaround around the uh, uber uber tough trails anyway. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's the great thing uh, about New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine is you know um, there is a, a couple. When I say a couple, two or three uh, off-road parks, um, but to really enjoy that area. Um, it takes some wits, uh, a bunch of preparation, a map, and, uh, you know, when I say guts, I don't mean, obviously, you know, the kind of guts you need to go doing donuts in someone's front lawn, but the kind of guts to go out there with just what you have on your back and make sure you get back home. Well, I, I can do that, but I'll leave the maps and that kind of stuff up to you. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, hor- I'm horrible at that. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, it, it is a good way to get good at it is to immerse yourself, you know. And, well, that, that's and, the uh, only way that a person gets good at anything is just jump in both feet first. And, and, right, uh, that's right. You want to learn a new language, go move to that country, and right. you'll learn it really figure, quick. Figure out how to swim, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Throw the kids in the water, right? Isn't that yeah. how you teach medicine? But, um, but yeah, and, and this is the kind of thing, you know, I recommend to anybody, but, uh, you know, if you're not from the area and you don't understand the layout, you know, um, if you if you think you're going to just grab a map and go out there and wander around, you are taking a big risk and you may accidentally go on someone's private property and have a landowner to deal with. So I I'm, I definitely don't want to put the message out there that this is something people should just start grabbing maps and just start doing. Um, otherwise, probably the state of Vermont and New Hampshire will probably sue me personally. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't want to encourage that kind of stuff anyway. So be, be responsible when you when you do it. If you don't know your way around and what's right right or wrong, find somebody that does. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. Get to, uh, what else did I do? Oh, I um, uh, myself and and three other gentlemen attended a tread lightly tread trainer course. Uh, where we all got certified to train people in in tread lightly principles, and uh, uh, basically uh, it was something we all did because we're involved with clubs. Uh, uh, the three other gentlemen with me were Anton from Unknown Off Road Association in Pennsylvania, and Jody from Susquehanna Cruisers, which is an up and coming Land Cruiser group in in mid Pennsylvania and uh, Ben Anthony from Corec, which is the Connecticut Off-Road Enthusiast Coalition. Uh, we are supplementing our, our roles in the off-road community, uh, you know, with the, with the Tread Lightly uh, stuff. So we're also, you know, here to help educate people on, on Tread Lightly and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Um, a lot of people think, you know, tread lightly means no fun. It's it's, but it's not what it means. And and you know, there's a time and a place for everything. So, so we, we went ahead and got that. And I don't have the actual paper in my hands yet, but I did pass the test. So, <laughs> on top of all the other uh, useless uh, degrees and and awards I have, I can add that. <laughs> well, con- congratulations for that. But I, is there? any kind of off-road training or off-road certificate that you're not de- destined to acquire at some time? Just curious. Um, I don't know. Well, there, I, the only ones that exist are the ones I have. <laughs> so, uh, unless there's one out there, I'm not familiar with, um, you know, uh, which is very possible. Um, you'll, you'll you know, be after I'll it. Work just, on you'll, it. you'll be after it as soon as you find out about it. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, I'll be after it as soon as I find out about I it. Well, I, I, um, 
have learned so much through training and working with other trainers that I will always encourage people. Even you know, a lot of people look at the cost and they say, "Well, you know, this much money for somebody to teach me how to winch." Well, I have learned so much. It's it's really paid off and helped out and you know saved behinds quite a few times and and I recommend it to anybody. Um, being the guy who knows, I, and I'm not saying I know everything. A lot of people think I know everything, which gets me into trouble. But um, you know, b when you're there, if you can lend a hand to somebody, you know, then you've 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 done what you set out to do, which is help people. You know, we all want to help people while we're out there. We want to have fun, but if somebody's struggling or having a hard time and they ask for help, uh, you know, if there's someone around that you know, can stop someone from getting injured or from a very expensive piece of equipment from getting broken, um, then it, it's certainly a, a, you, you did the world some good, you know, for sure. For sure. No, I think I, the, the next I, thing I'm, I'm just, I'm from, just poking at you a little bit. I, I, oh no. I, I mean, to you know, across I, I know you, you are, and uh, I take it very seriously. Um, because it, it's, it's kind of an oxymoron taking recreation seriously, <laughs> right? taking fun seriously that doesn't make sense that's it. <laughs> um, but but i do take it seriously and you know i enjoy you know helping people when i when i can or when i think i can i think the next thing i want to head for though is uh, some first aid stuff get some some first aid better i have red cross training now and no offense red cross you do a great thing for the world but um there's some more intensive training out there that i think is a little bit better suited to what we're up to. I uh, I think Red Cross would admit that up front. Um but uh I, I agree and that's something that I, I probably need to work on a little bit myself. The yeah, I mean the, the most Red Cross courses just teach you to dial nine one one if anything happens at all, you know. Don't touch anyone because you're gonna get sued. So just call nine one one. I mean that was the gist of the course I took. Uh, and I did learn CPR and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that's, those are the skills. Hopefully we have, I don't know, we're all getting older. We might have to brush up on our CPR skills. You never know when one of us is going to drop dead or <laughs> face plant on the trail for good. But, <laughs> um, well, it's, um, uh, but I, I haven't even done my, uh, my CPR training in a long, or uh, uh, renewed it in a long time. So it, that's something I need to to uh get back into and do for sure yeah and and if you've taken it before when you go back for as, as i've gone back for renewals over the years um i've seen the just the, the the depth of detail of the class and the the things they teach have just changed so much and they'll even tell you you know if you if you learned this last year well don't do that anymore do this now and and uh it it's kind of sad in a way that this is what things have come to um, but the classes that I think uh, and and since we're on the topic I'll just throw this in before we move on to the the rest of the show but the classes I, I would recommend to people are the wilderness first aid and, and and you don't have to go as far as wilderness first responder that's a little more you know intensive and and that is a good thing if that's your goal go for it but just the wilderness first aid and the advanced wilderness first aid those are the ones you're going to need those are the ones that'll teach you a lot of us are carrying really good first aid kits now i, th I think the more people i meet you know that are getting into off-road communities are getting the message that i should I, that they should keep a first aid kit 
in in their vehicles and i think people are really good about that one of the things that's come up recently is that people well i have a first aid kit but i don't know how to use this stuff so there's that and then i mean you know i, I don't think you could ultimately kill anybody putting a band-aid on wrong but <laughs> you should you know there's certain basic skills i think people people you know especially uh in the the stuff we do should should know how to do absolutely and, um, so i think a good wilderness first aid kit i think is something or excuse me wilderness first aid training course is is something people can add to their lists they're not very expensive and uh it's an investment in life not just possibly your own but someone else around you you know just like most of our recovery gear we don't use it on ourselves very much because you know we never get stuck right jason but all those other guys get stuck and so first aid works the same way it's always someone else who gets hurt yeah it uh it's not a bad idea to be educated in either one i'm not educated enough in either one but it is definitely on my short list of <clears throat> activities to uh to educate my or get educated on not educate myself because i don't have the smarts to uh, educate myself on that kind of stuff <laughs> but in enlist other people that can uh, can teach me about it. it and it really rang home with me because recently my wife was involved not in an accident but she saw uh, a motorcycle accident the guy was riding right in front of her going down the highway hit some sand uh, flew off the bike uh, and he I don't want to say he went through the wire you know those steel cable wire guardrails right he went through it and severed his leg one of his legs below the knee actually both legs were were you know hurt really bad but one was actually removed uh, by flying through the what this wire guardrail and she saw the whole accident she was right behind him you know this was just a few weeks ago too and you know she was there and was able with with the help of another person who just helped happened to stop because this this poor rider was lying in the street bleeding out they knew how to apply a tourniquet so that this guy didn't bleed to death and uh you know ultimately saved his life so you never know when these kind of skills are going to come in handy or where they're going to come in handy and obviously we certainly don't want to take on an attitude that we're out there to save the world but there are those times when things come up where a little bit of training a little bit of cool-headedness you know can really pay off sure well is, is that all all that you have been up to buddy <laughs> you've been a busy guy I, you know there's even more of that i haven't even <laughs> i'm not even gonna drag out I, it's just you know my my club is going crazy too uh in a good way so yeah uh that's it that's it let's go enough about me who cares right. about me well we all care about you but well you know you know a little bit goes a long way and we've heard enough <laughs> <laughs> oh that was the best ever uh, uh i kid i kid no, but, well, keep kidding. It, at least you have interesting stuff to talk about because all I've been doing is web wheeling. So, <laughs> you know, and not not nearly as much of that as I would even like to be. But it was fun keeping up with the goings on at Southern Cruiser Crawl. That was I had mentioned last episode that that was an event I really wanted to make it make it to this year, and and uh, 
had it on the calendar to go and that kind of thing and just had uh, had too many things with life come up but from uh, from the looks of most of the social media posts and that kind of stuff it looks as though I missed out on a really good time so uh, and a really cool recovery and a real really cool recovery that uh, looked a bit harrowing with winch cables kind of uh, running everywhere off of a FJ cruiser that had a a bit of a mishap from from the looks of it yeah yeah that was um i i you know whenever i see an off-road vehicle on its side i i certainly get that little lump in my throat like you know is everybody okay and and uh, when you see the roof damage and you know that they've gone over more than once you really really kind of <sighs> or get a little afraid to read the text that's under the picture you know well, the the one part of of the one post of that that I caught that gave me a little bit of solace, the heading of the post was "Smart people wear seatbelts," and uh, that that gave me a little bit of comfort in in knowing that the guy had his had his seatbelt on. Uh, thankfully, because it it for sure could have been much worse had he not. I, I'm almost positive. Uh, it uh, it looked like a quite the mess for what it was yeah um you know the 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 fj cruisers has no shortage of airbags in it i think it's got enough airbags in it to pretty much turn it into a uh you know bouncy castle (laughs) 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 if you if you happen to flop it over uh which is which is a good a good thing um and and you know it looks like probably just about all of them had deployed in that truck uh from the pictures i had seen so but um you know, again, we don't know the whole story on that, and it's sad to see it. So, no judgments. We don't know the whole story. I'm sure, sure it will come out. As long as everybody's okay, that's all that matters. Right. Oh, one one thing in my my web wheeling that kind of applies to something else that's been going on in in my world was a post that that you posted, and I don't remember where now where you posted it on Facebook, but it was a uh, a picture of a jeep that had the front pump bumper pretty much pulled off do you remember that poster <laughs> yeah i believe um, that was a smitty built product but i'm not sure well irregardless of that I, I, this is something that I, I i want to discuss with you a little bit and i had kind of alluded to it on the last episode that i've been working on a few few projects one of those projects is i'm kind of in the midst of uh designing and be- beginning to build a uh a new front bumper for my my forerunner one of the that's one of the many projects but i wanted for you to take just a minute i know that you replaced the bumper on yours on, on your your fj um not long ago for a couple of specific reasons and you had had discussed it in that show but i was wondering if we could uh could talk about that again a little bit and, and uh, bounce some ideas off of you uh, uh, of what I'm wanting to do, and, and maybe if there's any listeners out there that are, are kind of in the same place that I'm in, of either uh, wanting to build a bumper or buy a bumper of of things to look for, and uh, I'll explain to you and, and the listeners why I'm wanting to go a different route from the, the bumper that I've got now. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, I guess one of the key features 
uh, is to look at, you know, or, or not one of the key features, but one of the key points uh, is to look at what you're going to do with your bumper. Okay, you probably, now I, you know, I, I know you, Jason. Well, I don't, you know, relatively well. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I know that you're going to probably want a winch mount. You're probably going to want some um, recovery points uh, built into it, you know, that can accept a shackle. You're probably going to want, uh, you know, maybe some light mounts, you know, some things like that. But outside the realm, realm of, you know, lights and bells and whistles, um, practical things, you know, um, a winch mount, a uh, recovery points, and possibly high lift lifting points. Um, those are probably the, the, the top three that I look for in a bumper. Um, in regards to a winch mount, um, I prefer foot forward winch mounts. Um, the principle of them is that um, the foot of the winch or the bottom is bolted forward to a plate of metal so that the and that that forward plate, that entire winch mount is boxed in and gusseted and or gusseted I should say <clears throat> and the point of that is that the winch is pulling on the entire bumper rather than just the bolts uh, most winch bumpers we see or very many we see are a plate of metal the foot is down the bolts come up through the bottom and basically what holds that winch onto the bumper are those four bolts which you know you don't really hear of them breaking. You do occasionally hear somebody, you know, having one come loose and the winch comes up or something like that. But the potential for failure is there. So I'm a huge fan of foot forward designs. They force the bumper builder to basically build a box to contain the winch that is an integral part of the bumper. If the rest of the bumper is built around that winch mount, you're you're starting with a good solid platform right there. Those recovery points <coughs> should also be integrated in that. Um, and high lift, you know, lifting points are just basically a flat piece or, you know, some cosmetic feature to allow the hook of the high lift to lift the bumper in a safe way so that it's not on an angled piece or on a piece of tube that can slip off. Um, they're, they're probably the simplest and, and easiest thing. But, um, <coughs> Oh, to get back to recovery points, they should be in line with the frame. Now, those are the basics, uh, without getting into an entire bumper selection course, but those are the basics that I look for and that I recommend people look for. Um, a lot of people shop by looks, and what happens is a lot of the bumpers that look really cool might even be built okay, but a lot of times they lack these other features or... The most common thing I see is recovery points put in a place that is really more there to display fancy colored shackles than they are practical or strong. The number one thing I see in aftermarket bumpers based on the FJ Cruiser world is the way these bumpers attach to the frame. And that is the big problem. That is why you really have to look at the bumper mount as part of the bumper okay you, how this bumper fits on the frame is just as important as all these other features because if the bumper comes off the frame it doesn't matter how strong all that other crap was right, right? 
<laughs> the newer Toyotas, the FJ Cruisers and so on, the, you know, the, the new, newer generation 4Runners, all have crumple zones in the frame. So if that bumper doesn't have some sort of frame reinforcement bracket or some way to, you know, capture the frame and work around these crumple zones, you could tear the frame at the crumple zone. I haven't ever heard of it happening with the Toyota, but I've heard of it happening with other things. And it is the kind of thing that should be taken into account. All these things um, had a big influence on me switching out my bumper. My old bumper actually had advantages over my new bumper. And one of them was that it was the winch mount was lower and more in line with the frame. But that compromise, you know, I lost a little bit of approach angle um, because of that. So, you know, there was compromises to be made. Um, my old bumper mount was foot down and relied on a brace behind the winch mount, which in hard winching, especially over a hill, would flex outward a little bit. And I lost faith in that. Um, so I, I decided to go with something else. And as I looked through the foot forward bumper options that were available for my vehicle, it narrowed it down to two choices. <laughs> and uh, that that is kind of, you know, kind of where it really set in, like, huh, you know, um, <clears throat> I had spoken to uh, some bumper makers about maybe working together on a product, but it's tough for these guys to make a one-off, you know, uh, a one-off mean, meaning a custom product just for one guy. Sure. You know, it's, it's tough for them to do that, especially when they're across the country and you can't really like, you know, give them a deposit, you know, which, which they deserve. You should, somebody's making custom pieces for you. You should always be leaving them a deposit, <clears throat> you know, things like that. It's just tough to do that from across the country, speaking over the phone or electronically. So, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, limitations on, on what's on the shelf that you can buy. Um, from my particular vehicle, the two bumpers that met my requirements were uh, Road Armor, which is an enormous, ridiculously heavy bumper that is very, very expensive. Because, you know, cost is a concern. And the other one was the ARB. Those were the only two. Uh, I ended up going with the ARB. I'm very happy with it. Um, one of the things I really love about the ARB are the frame mounts. It is attached to the frame. You know, it's not welded, of course. It's a bolt-on. You, know, you could weld it, but one of the things I really like about it is the frame mounts are, I trust them very much. They actually capture the crumple zones. So, you know, not too worried about it coming off. One of the things it, it doesn't have, but the stock vehicle has that I'm content with are front recovery points. The, the FJ Cruiser does have two loops in the front that are you know, adequate for winching. I, I don't know if I would yank on them, but they're adequate for winching. So, you know, static load. So I didn't really feel the need to integrate shackles, although I could, and there is actually a bolt-on kit made in Australia that will allow you to uh, put shackles on the frame mounts with an ARB. So <clears throat> those are the things to think about. I think when, like I said, people select bumpers you know they go by looks 
a lot of times we'll say, well, you know, I've had this bumper for years and I've winched hard on it and nothing's ever happened. Hey, great. Good for you. Um, for me personally, I want things that are tested and safer. And I want to make sure that things are, are overbuilt. Um, <clears throat> you know, you go with certain products and, and some of these winch mounts on some of these really cool looking bumpers consist of one or two bolts basically holding it to the frame and uh you know winch mounts that are very high up and <clears throat> more in line with the radiator than the frame and that's just sometimes that stuff can really bite you in the behind in in certain situations um, and i don't think that that's something you can always plan for you don't know what situation you're going to always be you know you're going to be in um I think it's important that when people select these products, they, if they are going to make these compromises and say, well, it's not a foot forward winch mount, you know, things like that, <clears throat> you should be aware of that limitation and, you know, compensate for it or correct it as best you can. And when you think you're going to be in a situation where you need to use this this product or misuse it which is the thing we're more interested in that you take these limitations into into account and that you understand what is at risk and how to work around them okay because I'm gonna go back to misuse I'm more interested in how products perform when I'm using them wrong <laughs> um, hard shackles for example have a safety factor, right? A four to one safety factor, or a three to one safety factor, two to one safety factor. That means, okay, the shackle's rated to break at a certain limit in, in of force or, or weight, but a safety factor means that it will last this much further beyond that. So just like with every, that, that, that principle should apply to other things you use. You want to make sure things are going to hold up when you use them wrong <laughs> or when you use them improperly. Um, because, you know, when you're doing things properly, very rare that things don't break unless they're really, really crappy. Um, but when you're using things improperly, that's when you see your failures. That's when people get hurt. That's when vehicles get damaged. So um, you want to make sure that, you know, your equipment can handle being used wrong. You made a lot of mentions to one, a, a lot of the same reasons that I want to, uh, I want to go with a different bumper than than what I have now, as well as pointed out a lot of my not necessarily underlying fears, but um, things that I really want to make sure that that I do right. That's why I, I initially brought up that that picture that you posted. Um, I don't want to be that guy. You know, uh, especially not being something that that uh, I plan on on building myself. And I've talked to a lot of people, a, a lot of different fabricators about about building a bumper. And uh, for several reasons, I made the decision to to do it myself. And, and I'm not going to lie, cost is is part of that. But that being said, I I have a welder. I have uh, a shop full of, of fab tools and I enjoy doing the work um, so it's no diss it's not that I think I can do a better job 
than than any fabricator out there that that's not part of it at all it's more a thing of there are some very particular things that i want integrated in a bumper that to have a fab shop go through the extra work of doing that would uh would drive the price um for anybody through the roof so it it's things that it's it's a project that I want to take on myself, but one that I want to make sure that when I do, I'm covering all my bases. Don't build a 350-pound projectile at some point that's you know going to hurt somebody. Right, right, and and we don't know the whole story with that. Now, <clears throat> um, our listeners might not know about the picture, so I'll describe it in in I'll describe it in words. <laughs> but basically, you've got a muddy hill jeep on it um wheels are in ruts all-terrain tires so it looks like he hit it with a lot of speed got as far as he could and couldn't quite get up over the hill it looks like somebody attached a yank strap whether it was on a shackle on a recovery point or whether it was just over the end of the bumper i couldn't really tell with all the mud gave it a yank and Basically, the front bumper turned into a swing out. <laughs> All the you know mounts on on the driver's side of it failed, and just you know pulled it. Geez, had to be a, almost straight. <laughs> yeah, it was all, almost a straight ninety degree angle. You know, yeah. or, or straight out from the the passenger side frame rail. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But. So what could have happened there? I mean, we're looking at a picture. We can guess all day. Maybe he used crappy hardware you know maybe he just it was as simple as not using the right bolts maybe that was just on a lot of these toyotas you know you've got those six or eight studs sticking out of the the frame horns on the front of the frame um you know some bumpers only bolt to those (laughs) and they have winches on them so um you, you know we just don't know how this bumper was attached to that to really say what went wrong but obviously bottom line is the mount failed the bumper looked like it was in great shape right that thing was intact yes probably take it off and put it on something else and you would never know that this happened right the jeep was not in great shape and the the bumper actually turned into uh what we call a damage multiplier (laughs) And, and that's when you know you suffer more damage from having a product on than if you had not happened uh not had not had it on in the first place uh, which is, you know, what you often see with bull bars and things like that. Where, right. You know, they actually do more damage to the vehicle than anything else. Bottom line is that mount failed. However, that bumper was attached to that Jeep failed. And it shouldn't do that. Now, they were pulling on one side of the bumper, okay? And and it was clearly a yank because that's the only thing that could do that. You know, because if that was happening with a winch, someone would have stopped <laughs> long before the bumper was Move sticking that. straight right. Move that far. Yep. <laughs> so that could have only been a, okay, hit it, you know, <laughs> and, and your friend takes off and your bumper goes with him. You know, maybe they were using a toe strap too uh, instead of a kinetic strap. So the kinetic straps can absorb a little, um, you know, without shock loading as bad on the mounts you know again we're looking at a picture we're coming up with all these ideas of what could have happened we don't know the real story but you know 
<clears throat> so I would say, you know, lo looking at this picture, describing this scene to people, you know, bumper mounts probably weren't too good. You know, maybe bad hardware, but bumper mount was a big problem there. How the vehicle was recovered, contributing factor, okay? And, um, you know, what the what kind of recovery equipment was used, um, another another big factor. Those are the three main points I would I would look at there. Now, again, we talked just a second ago about how well things hold up under misuse when you use them the wrong way. <laughs> um, they were probably doing that recovery wrong. Again, I'm looking at a picture. I don't know. I don't want to pass judgment on people. Um, you know, and I, I don't really care if that upsets anyone. If you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. Just admit it. But should the bumper have failed under that kind of misuse, I do not agree with that. I think the bumper should have still held up even though they were doing it wrong. Well, that's, that's my end goal um, in, in, in doing something different with mine. At the moment, I have an addicted off-road tube bumper on mine. And this is no diss to, uh, to Scotty at Addicted or, or anybody else. He... he build some great products but not long after I installed this bumper on my my runner I was in a situation where I will use the word bumped a tree it was probably a little little more than a bump but um, a, a tap yes <clears throat> a tap hard enough to push the bumper back and up <clears throat> uh, by a considerable amount and in noticing that damage I lost a lot of confidence in in the bumper. It, it was a direct hit to the point where it it was a direct hit on my fair lead for my for my winch. Um, mm -hmm. But the way that that this bumper mounts, and I don't want to speak for for Addicted. Um, I believe what they do is build a standard bumper and then build cross members. To fit across the, the frame horns in the front for this bumper to fit different vehicles the bumper I, and i just sorry just just pause you for a second that is very common with a lot of bumpers out there on the market well okay Th that gives me a little more confidence in in saying that's that's what he does the i guess issue for for me in retrospect after buying this bumper is that the main mounting points for for this bumper on my forerunner are inboard of the frame in other words they mount the bumper mounts strictly to the cross member um okay. and two so cross member bolts to the frame bumper bolts to the cross member correct Is that correct okay and the two of the crucial mounting bolts um are severely inboard of the frame uh by Three, I, I'm not looking at it right now, so going purely from memory, uh, three or four inches in inside of the frame on both sides. And uh, what happened when I when I tapped the tree was I actually twisted the cross member. Uh, hmm. You know, I started pushing it around backwards, and like it, like a like a piece of licorice just correct, twisted. Correct. Okay. All right. And uh, I. I in order to straighten it out, um, I mean, it made it easy to straighten it out. I've, I've got floor anchors in my shop. I just simply chained the, the bumper to the floor and jacked up on the frame 
and that was it with kind of a backward motion and, and pulled it back almost exactly you know it's it's still not perfect but almost back where it was but it it, it has undoubtedly left that a weak spot to the point that occasionally when I have been outside of, of my forerunner winching, you can see the bumper flex un, under yeah. winch tension. Right. Um, right. So, And if you were flexing up over a hill, you could just fold that thing down. Yes, correct. And another contributing factor to that, I believe, is the fact that the way the bumper mounts to the cross member, it puts the winch plate at a considerable height above the cross member which yep. in my mind puts a ton of leverage even on a direct pull on a straight ahead pull instead of pulling straight off the cross member it is pulling forward and down right um, and even if there was some sort of l-shaped bracket or gusset against the from the winch mount to the to the frame rails that wouldn't even be so bad right right but there's nothing there there's there's just it's basically riding on a piece of square tube uh, it's not even square tube. It it is uh, it's formed uh, plate steel, uh, like uh, like a piece of angle iron. Okay. Uh, okay. Just just across the uh, you know across the the front, and then it's got tabs that go back that bolt onto the underside of the <clears throat> pardon me onto the underside of the frame. Okay. But for for those multitude of of reasons, that's. And the bumper, it's a high-clearance rock crawler bumper. So right. it's not designed to offer a ton of, of protection. It's designed to be high-clearance, and it, it does a fantastic job of that. But I'm to the point where I want something that is a little more adequate for the style of wheeling that I do, and I don't need a high-clearance tube bumper. Um, right. I want something that, that has a solid, solid winch mount and... Uh, offers some protection to the uh, to the front of the truck so right. for all those reasons that's that's why I'm looking at, at doing something different and yeah I, I mean starting with the mount you know I mean obviously you see the 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 things you'd like to improve on and the mount you have um, so I think you 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 know you've got to come up with and and i could photograph for you like the the arb brackets or i may have a photograph um they sort of address that because the the winch mounts a little higher so they they definitely compensate for you know that leverage action and they they do it in a in a way that actually puts the rearmost bolt because it is a bolt on after all um behind the crumple zones which i don't see any other bumper manufacturers doing um, so that's that's something to consider, but it gives that, you know, there's six bolts on just the brackets, you know, going sideways through the frame. So they've they've thought this out, you know, um, <clears throat> and and that is the basis for the rest of it, uh, because I think ARB just like a lot of other bumper manufacturers basically makes a couple of bumpers and different mounts as well, you know, because there's only a few different widths, and you know the ARB is this big blocky boxy boat anchor of, an right. <laughs> of, a, of a bumper um, but it, it's that same principle I think if you start out with those mounts and your winch mount or winch box uh, and recovery points sort of all as the focal point and then 
build all your you know your wings <coughs> um was it trailworks dave ojeda from trailworks fabrication has a really cool bumper that I, th I think he calls it the hybrid but i might be wrong but you might want to look at it and basically he takes the winch box and and all that and makes a, a solid center section with plate but then uses tube wings that come off it for everything else you know for the for the body protection and for the bull bar and all that so you've got this hybrid plate tube thing and, and it looks really cool i think it does i'm not like plugging anybody's i don't have this product on my truck so i have no vested interest in it but um dave is a cool guy and um you know that's that's something i think you should look at because um, it might give you some ideas yeah I'll, I'll definitely uh right now i'm i'm still i've got a basic idea of what i want and i've got a list of criteria that i'm looking to accomplish um another another thing that i'm hoping to do is to uh to draw the the, the winch and the bumper a little bit closer to the truck I, I realize that with a winch hanging off the front of it that it, it's going to stick out a ways. But as it is now, I'm a pretty tall guy. And the the truck sits pretty high. So I'm trying to think how to explain this. Um, even checking the oil is a bit cumbersome for me. Uh, reaching over the bumper to get the hood open, get the hood prop up, is a bit cumbersome. I, I realize that there's always going to be some of that just because of the height of the truck and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, for as, as tall as I am, I shouldn't have to struggle the way I do to get my hood open. Uh, and, and a lot of it is just because the, the bumper I have now, between the bumper and the, 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 uh, the hoop on top of the bumper, sticking out so far, it just it, it, uh, it pushes the, the center of the front end out so far away from the grill and the front of the hood. It's just, uh, just a bit annoying. So those are, are also some... Uh, some things that I'm hoping to uh, to address. Yeah, yeah, and and you will. I mean, I think um, you know y your experience since having this is really going to dictate you know a lot of a lot of what goes into the next one. Um, once you spot the the failure, or not the failure, but the weakness in something that you use as much as you might use a winch. Not not saying you winch a lot, but you know you probably winch more than you use a yank strap um at least you should be right <laughs> but but that's probably the case and for something that you're going to use that much you know if you're noticing movement on it you know that it's only a matter of time before you put that one pull on there that's going to end its life right yeah it uh it is definitely time to <clears throat> pardon me reevaluate things and uh, just uh start going through them but again i i one i, I wanted to uh to see if our thought processes were were on the same same page and uh, see if i was this was turning into another one of those things of i, I want but i don't really need kind of things but uh, after hearing what you had to say and and talking to some other people i i, I think it's something that i, I it's not just a want you know it, it's something that that needs needs upgraded and uh, you know you might uh, actually you know just be able to reinforce what you have and and uh, work with it that way i mean I, it depends how much you like the bumper too 
uh, well, the rest of it. That that's the other side of it is uh, when I when I first got the bumper, I did not want a plate bumper. Um, all the uh, I at the time I thought all the plate bumpers on the market for a third gen Forerunner just looked bulky and just didn't look like they, you know, matched the lines of the truck and and just thought they looked out of place. And uh, I'm not going to lie, some of it is is about aesthetics. I'm just I, I'm not happy with with the tube bumper on the front anymore and uh i want to uh want to go with a plate bumper or something that that uh i could just go a different route um in in purely in a, in aesthetics but that's not the only only reason uh i don't just want something that looks the way i want it to look i want something that's going to uh perform the way that i expect it to perform as well so have I, um when I used to have a, a tube bumper as well, and it is you know one of the better winch mounts out there for tube bumpers, uh, for tube bumpers. You know, I think plate is always going to be stronger, especially when you you box in a winch mount. But anyway, wh- what I'm alluding to is, did you have issues with like mud and and stuff like that getting in the, in your condenser or radiator? Um, be, you know, just because there was no plate. Uh, I don't know if it's be because there's no plate but yes that is something that i struggle with uh constantly you're always cleaning out the radiator yeah, i, I wash like i wash it out three or four times a year and every time i do it's five minutes of just non-stop mud running out of it so yeah i've actually gotten overheat issues because of the mud to, to where i i basically had to get off the trail get to some sort of some for you know all i could get was a garden hose there was no car washes nearby uh and pull the shroud off in the parking lot. It was a big pain in the butt. I, I, I you know, and, and once I washed it out, it was okay. But it was one of the times I said, man, you know, I might, I might, might have to rethink this two bumper idea. It, I don't think, I think they do great in the desert, but I just think in these, these, the muddy crap we have to deal with. And even the dust, um, you know, washing dust out of there is, sure. is you know, um, those things get hot and the mud gets in there. And I mean, pretty much turns to pottery. <laughs> and, it's 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 tough to get back out. I use that product called the Radiator Genie. There's there's other competing products that that you know do the same thing, uh, and it works well. But yeah, I'm 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 think I'm in the same boat as you are with where I'm doing it. You know, I don't know about four or five times a year, maybe two or three. Though. Yeah, I get to too that. much. Too much. I yeah, shouldn't ob- have to ob- do that. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, like I said, man. I, I and and I hope the listeners got a little bit of something out of that that. Uh, that long-winded <laughs> conversation about a, a project that I haven't started yet, but um, oh, I love talking about bumpers and recovery gear and stuff, though. Well, it's fun. I, I uh, <laughs> th- this this project is going to be ongoing for for a little while, um, so I'm sure the the subject will <laughs> will come up multiple times again. Uh, sadly, I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to juggle four different. Uh, fabrication projects all at all at one time and uh, the bumper being one new sliders being another and a roof rack mm-hmm. so uh, with my job all I have time to do is think I have 14 <laughs> no hours. time to do but plenty of time to think <laughs> plenty of time to think about stuff so I, d- I dream up these things and and uh, come up with these these awesome ideas and you know my my sliders uh, i i built them that was the i want to say it was the first project that i did to my 
did to my runner. I know the day I brought it home, I pulled the running boards off. And I think by the end of that weekend, I had sliders built. And they've worked fine. They've done done great. But when I built them, there was a couple of things that I, I should have done differently. In order to go through and redo them, it would would be... It's going to be easier, I'll put it that way, just to start over from scratch and do something different. So they are they are already already designed the the material material is on hand to start them i just haven't uh, haven't got around to it yet and the uh the roof rack i've got it pretty much laid out uh mentally but uh still trying to work out a few few kinks in it again there are multiple roof racks on the market um that uh it would probably be easier to to just go buy something but there are some very specific things that I want integrated into a uh, into a roof rack that I just can't seem to find in the aftermarket. So I will uh, I will be be building my own just to get try to get exactly what I want, and hopefully I know enough about what I want to uh, to justify doing it and not regret anything down the line after I put a ton of work into something that I just could have went and bought. Now, does the the third gen um, does that actually have roof rack mounts, or does it have to like sit in the channel? Like, does it have the channel mounts? Like some? Uh, it does not have channel mounts, and it does not have a full length roof rack. Um, okay. the The rails for the factory uh, rack are they run from ahead of the lift gate in the back to I want to say about the middle of the rear doors. Um, maybe not even that far. It's only a little over three feet, and I want a a full roof rack uh, from from front to back. So I'm having to uh, to figure out exactly how to go about mounting that, and I want it uh, mounted to the roof in the front as well as the rear um, because I don't want anywhere for branches and and that kind of stuff to get underneath it and take a chance of of pulling it off the uh the wind deflector on my uh on my tailgate got torn off a couple of years ago by a a viney branch hanging down from a tree that just happened to catch a corner of it and uh i wasn't wasn't like i was sailing through the woods at 40 mile an hour but, but before i caught it before i noticed that it had caught it 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 had popped it off that just pulled it out of some plastic mounting brackets on the tailgate. The last thing I want is to uh, to uh, rip sheet metal on the roof from getting a branch caught or something like that. So, uh, trying to figure out exactly how to go about uh, mounting it securely enough that I I feel like it's going to stay put and uh, not uh, cause damage down the road. So, yeah, uh, if you get some kind of air dam on the front of it too, that'll give some some deflection for branches. My plan is to do something very similar to what a uh, to what an FJ Cruiser has from the factory. Uh, obviously, it won't be exactly like that, but a a similar similar design to that. So, geez, you can find those things used for like a couple hundred bucks. You can just take one and hack it up, and <laughs> a lot of the work could be done for you. <laughs> I, I, I agree, and I promise you, I have seriously considered that, but. Uh, I'd have to do some. They're, do some they're aluminum. Okay, just warning you. They're aluminum. Uh, 
No, I'll build my own. Yeah, that's <laughs> because I've seen some 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 dents and some, you know, uh, basically I've, I've I've seen the damage that a high lift bolted to those aluminum factory roof racks and the guy going in too low of a garage. I've I've seen the damage. <laughs> <laughs> as amusing as that is, it's it's really not funny, and it's not pretty. <laughs> well, our our club we have a a a tube bender, a hydraulic tube bender, uh, uh, like a club tube bender, like a club tube bender. So, oh, cool. uh, uh, all I have to do is supply the tubing, and and uh, we'll go to work on it. But now, the only thing about a steel roof rack is you're 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 adding and i have a steel roof rack so i'm I'm not trying to sound snooty or anything i i do too and there are times with no sway bars uh well now i have one sway bar but point is is there are times when i'm going around a corner and i kind of look up at the ceiling like man that thing is heavy (laughs) (laughs) well uh interestingly enough that you bring that up um that has been a huge uh line of thought for me is how to keep it uh, durable but as light as, as I can at the same time and yeah. I think I've came up with uh, with a few not necessarily unique but I think kind of cool solutions to uh, to keeping it lightened up um, probably going to be a little noisy going down the road um, I got thinking about that the other day uh, I don't know how noisy and, and probably won't till I get it done but uh, I think I've got some some solutions together for for keeping the weight down some anyway so we'll yeah we'll see how it goes i'm hoping to hoping to get going on on uh, a few of these projects in the very near future and and uh, kind of get them knocked out one by one like i said i've got got four going now because uh when i do the front bumper i can't leave the rear bumper alone so <laughs> that uh that's on the agenda as well but i haven't put nearly as much thought into that yet as i have anything else i've got uh my brain can only handle so much and i'm kind of overloading it right now so when yeah. i when i get some of the others figured out i'll start start figuring out what i want to do with it and, and uh, i uh, i designed and and played a huge part in in building the the rear bumper that i have now and it it again it does does a fine job it it always has um when i originally built it i did not uh intend on having a a swing out of any any type on it and over time i decided that i wanted wanted a swing out so i kind of went back to the the drawing table and and started trying to figure out how to in, integrate a uh, a swing out into the bumper that i i had already built and got that done and it's worked fine it's been on there for a couple of years but uh just not happy with with uh how it it, it's all working together and how it performs and my recovery points are not what uh not what they need to be and that kind of thing so uh, and and you know what you know what the worst is as you, you know we we go to events and then we see someone else's vehicle. They're like, wow, that guy really did it right. And then you're like, oh, man, my stuff's just a piece of crap. And then you go back and you change a bunch of stuff. And then you get it where you're happy with it and everything's working right. And then you go to some other event and you see some other guy with some other dream truck. 
and you're, you're like, oh man, this guy, you know. It seems to me like we talked about that on a previous episode about one of the pit, pitfalls of going to events is seeing other other people's modded vehicles and saying, wow, I'd really like to do that. Wow, I'd really like to do that. Whether it's something you've already done and it means undoing what you've already done and doing something different or j- just that never-ending list of uh, never-ending list of projects. But the, the absolute worst is that guy did it better and for half the cost. Right, right. <laughs> That's the one that hurts the most. Well, you know from, from talking to me, you know, off air and that kind of stuff, I've kind of toyed with the idea of buying a different uh, different rig and just kind of starting over. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't, I won't say that it, it, it is an impossibility it's just not uh uh, just not fiscally responsible i guess what i have is already paid for um it doesn't owe me anything and it's 90 percent built the way that i want it to be it does a hundred percent of what i want it to do now so just by tweaking it a little bit and adding a little bit to it um i can can make it into something that i'm i'm very happy with so that's that's kind of where some of these projects are are uh, leaning towards is just uh i've kind of more locked in my style of wheeling since i i, I bought my forerunner and and have wheeled it for for a few years now and kind of figured out what i enjoy doing and that kind of stuff and and uh i think the decisions that i make now are based more in in what I want for the future than what I want for immediate gratification. And you know, there's, there's, there's see, I, I've ridden in your truck, and, and you, your forerunner does, does fine. But here's the other thing you didn't mention, and I, and I think that this is really important, because I, I think we're like-minded in that. We picked a vehicle, we stuck with it, and damn it, I know what every sound is. <laughs> I know what every creak and every rattle is. And if something goes wrong, I know exactly what it is and how to fix it. Well, I wouldn't say I know exactly what it is, but uh, y- 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 you can narrow it down pretty well. Sure. You know your vehicle. You know your limitations. You know how to make that thing do stuff that other people who are in the same vehicle and the same build might not know how to do. You, you, you know, you can... You have the experience and the benefit of long-time ownership, you know. Uh, and it's not a northeast vehicle that's basically rotting out from under you. No, just getting dented in around me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just getting closer to you. <laughs> yes, yes. My uh, my little taillight issue that we mentioned a, a, a few episodes back. Uh, I thought we weren't going to talk about that. Well, we're, we're not talking about the taillight episode. We're, we're talking about the... Uh, the taillight itself. The, the dent below the taillight that... Uh, oh, yeah. When I, uh, I... I looked at that the other day and I thought, ah. Pulled the taillight out. There's no way to get to it from the backside. So I welded it, welded a couple of pins into the into the dent and was... Pulled it out. Trying, trying to pull it out. And... Uh, I got it out some, but it's not, and never will be uh, again perfect. So, it, uh, without uh, without cutting that that piece of the panel out and welding welding in a new panel, it uh, it's going to be forever dented. So, 
You, you could just put a trail gear sticker over it. That would work. That would work. <laughs> awesome Does idea. Does anyone have a trail trail gear sticker for Jason? <laughs> yeah, because I don't have 47 of them laying in the drawer at home. I may have 48. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's got more than I do, but I know I got a bunch. <laughs> we love trail gear. Yes. Well, anyhow, uh, now that we've rambled on till everybody's bored with what I've got going on, um, we don't really have a main topic for this episode, folks. Um, there was a couple of things that uh, have been floating around the internet that uh, we thought we'd uh, we'd just bring up and and. Uh, talk about those for a little bit so we'll bore you about these these topics um rich do you want to uh do you want to go with the one that, that that we had talked about for you or do you want me to start um is this the um uh, new stuff or is this the other main topic we discussed uh, <laughs> uh we're talking about winter uh let's hold off on that one um, okay. We're, Not we're, winter yet. Yeah. Well, we're quite a ways into this one. Let's just breeze through this other stuff that we we had brought up before we bore everybody to death. And well, we let the cat out of the bag. We're we're gonna talk about uh, preparing for winter. Uh, not so much um, winterization in the maintenance sense, but other preparations to make for your vehicle for the winter. Yes. When we next next episode. Next episode when we perhaps die. the episode after that. When we don't drive you nuts uh, talking about, you know, uh, projects that Jason's trying to delve into. And, and you know, everybody that lives below the Mason-Dixon line is probably going to skip that episode because you, you guys don't get any snow. We well, get, we get snow. It just doesn't last very long. It doesn't last very long. Or or, or when, when you do, you, you probably can't even go out in it because everyone else around you is probably so insane that you're afraid to leave your house well there's no reason to go out in it because somebody else has already brought bought all the bread and milk at the grocery store because so. <laughs> you're gonna die without that right. bread and milk <laughs> right it's only the snow's only gonna last for three hours but let's go ahead i never and... buy bread and milk any of the other times of the year but when it snows i need right. it <laughs> right right yep for those three hours that it's cold outside because milk sandwiches are you know very popular in the winter <laughs> Yep, be eating PB and J on hot dog buns for the next three, three weeks. <laughs> That's better than eating eat a hot dog on a piece of bread. <laughs> <sighs> All righty, the Jason and Rich Comedy Hour. Yeah. <laughs> I think our listeners will agree on the on the PB and J on a hot dog roll. Uh, point. Hopefully. <laughs> All righty, let's get into this other stuff quick. Uh, does it involve pickle gulch? Um, no. No. We haven't heard anything about pickle gulch or pickles. No, no. I think we we pretty much destroyed that event forever <laughs> <laughs> just by talking about it. We will be getting a strongly worded email. Do not mention our event again, ever. The worst is when we published that episode, the event was already over. We ha- we've had that happen a few times. Sorry, folks. We do our best. We did it right, but we didn't do it on time. We tried. <laughs> My mom always told me, as long as I tried. Well, why don't you fill people in on your opinion of the FT4X? Rumors. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll let's, let's open that can of worms. So <laughs> <clears throat> many of you on social media probably saw going around lately um, that it's been in the news on several... Um, automotive 
media outlets. I'm, I'm just wording this so carefully because a lot of them are really fluff publications uh, that hold no actual merit in anything other than to blab. Um, but Toyota filed a patent for uh, the, the, a model or a, a designation for a vehicle called the FT4X. And FT is used in a bunch. The part that makes this interesting possibly to our community is the 4X part. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of fluff articles out there, you know, saying, well, you know, this could be, you know, the next 4x4 to replace the FJ Cruiser, and, you know, uh, it, it could be, you know, a pickle and herring sandwich. We, we don't know what it is. There's a lot of websites talking about what they think the 4X designation could be but there's nothing substantial especially from Toyota they're 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 going to tell us last <laughs> about anything um, <clears throat> but there's no official word on what this means or if there's an FJ cruiser replacement or any other you know uh, 4x4 product coming down the line from Toyota um, does this mean they're not working on something well no one knows Toyota's pretty pretty quiet until they have something to say um, <clears throat> but the, this news is going around and I think a lot of people are painting a picture of what they want to see versus reality reality is no one knows um, <clears throat> and a lot of people are reading into this 4x designation like it's going to be something we just don't know so we're basically uh, more clarifying um, what is what is the reality of this um, it just seems people are so wishful that Toyota is going to come out with some cool new thing um, that uh, <clears throat> you know they'll say anything uh, and a lot of these media sites will say anything to get you to click on their link and read their crap so that they can make money so buyer beware or reader beware surfer surfer beware there you go and, and also go. be be aware that uh manufacturers um buy up things like this just to keep other people from being able to use it uh with no intention of ever doing anything with it uh, that's true they, they, they do just, they do this with domain domain do, names, names as well. constantly yes uh just just to prevent um anybody else from uh from getting their hands on that that particular designation so it may very well be be something like that um it also could be for something that uh is simply a concept uh that uh is years down down the road um i personally my opinion i wouldn't expect any any big news in the next year um granted it's something that fun to uh to think about and speculate about and that kind of stuff but uh i wouldn't uh i personally wouldn't expect anything big to come from it i i agree um <clears throat> it's it's worth noting a couple of th other things too the ft prefix is used on a bunch of other vehicles so you know um i, I believe the uh ftrs was the what the frs's original scion designation right the FT doesn't really apply anything. It's the 4X part. And, you know, you mentioned um, buying it out, and, and you made me realize uh, Nissan had the Pro 4X, 4X. Xterra, 
right? Correct. Was it the Pro X or was it the Pro? It was the Four X, Pro, right? Pro Four X, and they also use that insignia on the Nissan Titan, uh, okay, or Frontier, and I'm not sure, but uh, possibly the Titan as well. So, uh, yeah, they they use that. That is kind of their TRD Pro. Uh, gotcha. Sort sort of. Those Nissan Nissan Nation podcast guys need to come over here and straighten us out on this. Stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm sure that if we misquoted something, that I'll hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you know, to the same point, the fact that Nissan is using 4X in a certain way does imply that this could be something interesting for us. But again, we're all just blowing winds. No one knows anything. Anything you read on the internet, unless Toyota says it, I wouldn't trust it. Correct. Including the next thing that we're going to talk about. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Should people even trust us with this kind of... We're just blabbing about it, too. But at least we're trying to get the the truth, the reality of it out there. Right. Um, and well, so, yeah, Jason, run away with the tundra. Well, the, the, the next thing that we want to discuss a little bit, I, I, I've noticed the past couple of weeks or so that there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of speculation about the tundra getting a, a huge update in... Uh, it will not be 2017, or uh, yeah, 2017, but in 2018. Um, again, this is all speculation. Rich and I were chuckling before we started recording. We were both reading different, uh, supposedly current news releases about this or, or articles about it, and they were contradicting each other left and right. So, uh, bottom line is, I don't think anybody knows for sure. Uh, well, I know for a fact that nobody knows for sure because nobody can get the, the same story out twice about uh, <laughs> about what's going it's, on. It's really bad out there on the internet. Right, because... correct. But hopefully uh, Toyota will uh, de- debut uh, a new Tundra. I know there's been a lot of rumblings in the, 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 the Tundra community that... Uh, the Tundra hasn't seen any significant changes since, uh, since what, 2006 when they come out with this, this style that they're in now. So that's been a, a full decade now uh, of the same, the same truck. And uh, the other, other big three manufacturers have went through a, a few significant changes uh, throughout that time. <clears throat> it uh, kind of lets me down a little bit that I don't think Toyota puts as much effort into the Tundra for the North American market as what uh, what they could. I mean, they don't hold a huge market share with that truck, but uh, by let it, letting it become a stagnant vehicle uh, over that many years is not not doing anything to uh, anything to help it. Um, I know, like like I just said, Rich and I kind of went through things, and and I hate even getting into. Uh, the engine options and stuff that they're talking about because we couldn't find two articles that had the same <coughs> same information about uh, uh, you know what uh, what engines they were were project, projecting were going to be uh, be installed in them and that kind of stuff. There's still still those rumors bouncing around about a diesel Tundra, um, and that would be for 2018. And in fact, that is of all the uh, rumors, that's the most consistent one. Whether or not it's true, who knows. Um, but a diesel 2018 Tundra, I think. I think that was the most common thing we saw. My my downside to the uh, the diesel Tundra, 
I may catch some flack from this for that for saying this from from some people, but I have an F two fifty with a seven three power stroke in it, three three quarter ton diesel. Would that would that be a Ford product? That would be Jason? a Ford. That would be a Ford. You're, you're dead to me. I'm, you're dead. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my point. My Does point, it have a heated tailgate? No, no, no. no I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> be nice. <laughs> uh, my point is, if Ritual <laughs> kindly quit interrupting me about the fact that I do own a Ford. Uh, you know we're not letting this go. <laughs> Uh, Toyota is going to continue this to be basically a half-ton pickup with a small diesel engine in it. And I don't know how that will be perceived in the uh, in the, the American market anyway. Um, I think for the most part, diesel buyers in, in America want, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I believe they want a three-quarter ton pickup. Um, they are kind of designed be designed as as the workhorse of the pickups and a half ton pickup half ton rated pickup with a diesel engine in it i just don't think is going to uh going to cut it not to mention that it's not going to be comparable to any of the the uh the new diesels by the big three um well um, right one of the more consistent pieces of of one of the more consistent statistics I read in, in, in the research we were doing uh, earlier is that Ford really does take the lead with the F-150 in terms of, you know, a truck you can, you know, jump in and drive away and, you know, for, for just general use, you know, not, uh, um, and I believe it does outsell the Toyota 4 to 1, which is, which is significant. And I don't know if that's, that's all based on cost or, or, or what. But uh, and you know, demographics I'm sure plays a little bit in that. Um, but if you know for 2018, if if the if Nissan is going to come out with a Cummins diesel in the Titan, Toyota is going to have to compete with that. Well, th- my argument with that is I don't think that Nissan is selling enough Titans with diesels in, in them to. Uh, to find a place in the market. Um, I think it's a gamble. I think they're rolling the dice. Well, I, I, I know where you're going with this, and you're going to... that They're just hoping that this is going to bring them up because they're coming in with, of all things, an American engine. <laughs> well, th- there were a lot of reasons, uh, from what I understand, why that took place. Um, the, uh, the Cummins engine was already designed to pass North American emission standards. Mm. Uh, and that kind of thing, so it it meant no R and D on on the import companies to uh, to bring their diesels up to to American emission standards. The Nissan, listening to uh, to David and the guys over at, at Nissan Nation, um, listening to them talk about it, I know they're they're extremely frustrated with how Nissan approached the the release of the the Titan. Uh, with a diesel engine in that they didn't seem to promote it much they didn't seem to push it much if I'm not mistaken the only model of the Titan that you could get it with it was the top of the line uh, 
Titan, which was already a pricey truck, and then to like add 50, the fifty thousand plus. Yeah, right? and then to add the price of the diesel on top of that, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it all seemed kind of backwards. So Nissan not not selling as many of them as as maybe what they had anticipated. Um, there may be more behind that than uh, than just the truck not selling. You know, there may be some some real real reasons. But my my fear is that I think the general public views, like I said, views the diesel trucks that the big three makes as the work trucks. Oh, I don't need a diesel. I don't need anything that big. So looking at the the Titan or if the Tundra has a diesel in it, um, I I think that they're going to view that the same way. They they won't put the effort into finding out, uh, oh, it's only a half-ton truck. Um, same thing as an F-150. It just has a, you know, the, the benefit of having a diesel in it. And the, the guys that want the workhorse with the big diesel in it to, to, you know, do heavy pulling and that kind of stuff aren't going to look at it because they will look at the tow ratings and stuff and see that it's just not up to par with, uh, with what the big three have to offer. So my point is that it, it's going to fall in a really strange place in the market. If Ford was to have released their small diesel engine in, in the F-150 like they had talked about a few years ago, and GM was to have done it and that kind of stuff where people had a half-ton diesel to compare it to, um, I think that would actually help. But being the only ones out there, um, again... Uh, still speculation whether the tundra will wind up with a diesel i just don't think that it's going to uh i don't think it's going to resonate yeah yeah one of the articles i read said that they were going to do away with uh, and this is regarding the tundra not the nissan um do away with the 5.7 gas engine offer the diesel as a replacement and retain the uh, smaller V8, which is a 4.6, if I recall, uh, which to me seemed like an odd choice. Why wouldn't they keep the gas V8 as an as an option? You know, but the, they have their their mileage concerns, especially with fleet requirements. So I, I, you know, a lot of questions are raised, you know, about these rumors and implications. Sure. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to. Uh kind of follow this along and and see what happens i know uh the article that i'm reading uh, sitting here looking at right now it, it says not to expect uh expect to see anything until uh late 2017 on you know any uh any updates from from toyota which seems kind of strange um most new models roll out you know the middle of the previous year but it will uh as far as the podcast goes, we'll definitely be following this because I do have a do have an interest in it. Um, a Tundra is out of my price range, and at the moment, I'm still happy with my Ford. So, uh, with respect to towing and that sort of thing, but um, no jab there, Rich. Really? <laughs> do, I, do I get a? I, I I figured you took enough of a beating on the Ford <laughs> thing, so I just you know I figured I just let it go. Well. It is what it is. It, it is what it is. I, I, no, but uh, I, I mean, we, we all, you know, can appreciate a heated tailgate. <laughs> Mine ain't got one. It don't, <laughs> it, it don't get cold enough here to need one. 
<laughs> Don't have a rear defroster or eat a tailgate. No, nope. <laughs> nope. I can push it home and my hands stay toasty just the way they are. <laughs> occasionally, I, occasionally a nice pair of gloves. You know, in my neighborhood, I mean, Fords are they're they're pretty dominant up here. Um, you know, most of them look like they're about to fold in half. Because this isn't and not not a slight on Ford. I mean, everything is rotting up here. <laughs> so the poor guys who are working for a living using their 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 trucks really, you know, they it doesn't seem like they they really get their money's worth out of them. And I feel bad. It, it's you know, nothing is built to last anymore. In fact, the older ones look like they're in better shape than the ones that are about five years old. I think it's that way all over. Yeah. yeah. They're just not. Yeah. Uh, we sound like old people. They just don't build them like they used to, but they, well, just, they just don't build them like they used to. <laughs> hey, listen, nobody likes it when old people are right. <laughs> right. right. Especially young people. <laughs> well, the only, the only other thing that I wanted to, to mention, again... I don't. I'm not looking at a calendar. Sorry, folks. Do we need one? Well, one. SEMA is going to be coming up here the first of November, and uh, it is going to be uh, it's going to be real interesting to uh, to see some of the. Obviously, I won't be there. I don't know whether you're going or not, Rich. But uh, uh, no, it, uh, it's I'm not, not a SEMA kind of guy. Not in not in my agenda to make it. But there are always some cool things. Uh, debuted at SEMA and that kind of stuff so that is um November excuse me November 1st through November 4th correct I know our uh, our friends at TCT magazine are sending a a, uh, a couple of people to SEMA again this year so maybe we can uh, maybe we can hook up with one of those guys and uh, get them isn't Mozilla going uh I don't know it's a very good possibility I I thought Greg Mozilla, who we interviewed in the uh, ATR episodes, uh, I I thought he said something about going. Very very possible. Very possible. But uh, anyway, looking forward to to seeing what kind of cool Toyota and off-road products are are debuted or or, uh, talked about there at at, uh, SEMA. And maybe, like I said, maybe we can get somebody that, uh, that was actually there to give us a few minutes on the show and and uh, tell us how things went. But yeah, maybe we can get a proxy correspondent. Maybe if Mozilla goes, we'll, uh, you know. Hit him up, sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that guy, you can talk him into anything. Right. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> You're going to pay for that one. <laughs> anything else that we uh, we need to get to? Um. No. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Now I'm thinking about all the stuff I forgot. But you know. well, we don't. Uh, we don't have any listener feedback this week. Shame on our listeners again for leaving us hanging with no listener feedback. Uh, I think they're enamored with that giveaway. Let's talk about that giveaway. Well, that giveaway will actually be over by the time this this episode airs. Uh, matter of fact, oh. it will end the same day that that this episode airs. But yeah, we can mention it. Um, we uh, partnered up with. Uh, da, 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 everyone, da, everyone, yes. Uh, <laughs> Baker from Bakes FJ gave me some uh, some patches and stuff to uh, to do a giveaway, and I mentioned that to a couple of other people, 
our show sponsor, Southeast Overland, uh, being one of them. And Steve said, well, I want in on that. I'll, I'll throw some stuff in it, too. So Steve did. And then uh, we just mentioned uh, Greg Mozilla from, uh, from uh, Gzilla, Designs. Gzilla Designs. And uh, he said, well, I want in on it, too. I'll, I'll throw some stuff in it. So we got a, got a whole bunch of people together with a, a really nice prize package um, to, uh, to give away on Facebook. And uh, there has been a fantastic response to it. Um, I can't thank uh, everybody that uh, that liked and shared and and, uh, and uh, commented on the post and and that kind of stuff. And um, we will be sure to give a shout out to to whoever wins when we know we're we're recording a few days early, so uh, the uh, the event runs through what is the date twenty fourth, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is is the day that this episode will will be released. But in the next episode, we will definitely be giving a a shout out to whoever whoever won this uh, this really cool uh, prize pack that we got to, to give away. And they'll like it. I hope they do. I hope they do. What what kind of stuff is in there? Is like soft shackles. Uh, yeah, uh, there's like Yeti tumbler, not a Yeti, Arctic tumbler. Arctic tumbler uh, from from Gzilla Design. Um, a patch, couple of stickers, shirt, soft shackle. Uh, I think that's about it from uh, from Steve at Southeast Overland. We here at the podcast threw in a t-shirt uh, sticker, one of our patches, and uh, Baker at, at Bakes FJ, um, I don't remember exactly how many patches he gave me. There's four or five of them in there. And also, I forgot to mention, shame on me, uh, Metal Tech kicked in a, 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 a sticker and uh, one of their glass, um, <laughs> pint glasses, pint glasses. Ah, yes, the pint glasses. So, uh. Yeah, some really really cool stuff in there, and uh, I have been uh, been in touch with Mark from Metal Tech, trying to get him uh, trying to get set up with him to do a to do an interview on the show. So uh, look forward to that in the uh, in the near future, as soon as we can get uh, get everything worked out with him and and get that done. But he's uh, he's game to do it. It's just uh, just a matter of us coordinating a time and and uh, getting it put together and done. Yeah, I think that's everything. All righty. Well, folks, thank you for listening. Hope uh, hope you enjoyed our rambling this episode um, with Rich kind of being out of pocket for for uh, a few weeks. I, I figured I would take it easy on him this week and we'd just have a conversation rather than uh, try to do a, a full-fledged uh, main topic where he really had to think. He's been, been kind of burdened with... Uh, internet-y stuff or computer-y stuff so we uh we decided we'd take it a little easy on him today well i appreciate it yeah we're um our club is doing a massive overhaul of of our web forum and uh, i was trying to have it done by sunday and what's today wednesday still not done um uh so it's it's been uh you know every every waking hour i've been behind a computer and i i actually just need to get away from it for for a night i don't i don't think i'll get that luxury but uh i'm glad we got to do uh, a podcast episode because it it was a nice diversion from staring at a screen well 
we're we're glad that you were able to to break away for a few minutes and join us again we'll wrap it up with that the normal stuff folks when you shop on amazon please go to our website and click on our amazon link and and shop through that link amazon gives us a small kickback on anything you order it doesn't cost you anything extra just the additional step of of clicking on that link if you want to contact us you can do so through our website toyotatrucksandtrails.com you can follow us on facebook at facebook slash ttat podcast we are also on instagram at toyota trucks and trails um, if you want to send us an email, you can do so at toyotatrucksandtrails at gmail.com. Anything else, Rich? Email address? I did that. I covered oh, you it this did? time. Yes. Oh, how did I miss that? I, I just said it. I don't know how you missed it. Saw something shiny. I That happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that one's a wrap. All righty. Well, I know you got work to get back to, and uh, I, uh, I suppose I ought to wrap things up here and pay my job a little bit of attention um do you, do you have to hurry do you have to hurry up and wait uh well i've been waiting so now it's time <laughs> to get, get back to the hurry up part <laughs> <laughs> wait and then hurry up yes that's the worst yes yeah <laughs> they, they do this to us a lot so but anyway uh folks thanks for listening we we truly appreciate it look forward to uh to getting back to uh to do another one here in a couple of weeks and uh Maybe we'll have an interview or, or something cool, but uh, we'll have another another episode anyway. Rich, what say you? Sounds good. All right, we're out <laughs> we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. However you go about it, get out and enjoy your Toyota. <laughs>